Good morning. Uh, there are sermons that just flow out of my brain and onto paper, and then there are sermons that I wrestle with up until the second I stand on the stage. This week, I have wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with this one. But here's why. It's because I, I truly believe Satan doesn't want you to hear this this morning. I don't think he has any desire for you and I to live according to what we're going to talk about this morning from Scripture. And in fact, if he can continue to keep us distracted, uh, unfocused, uh, and just apathetic towards it, then he will win. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to punch Satan in the face. Okay, we're going to straight up tell him where he belongs, and we're going to look at Scripture, and we're going to do our best to obey by it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. If you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. We're looking at the 10 commandments. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thanks for the, the, the words that were written in this Bible that you reiterated in the New Testament that we needed to hear. All of us, including myself, would you speak to us, Holy Spirit? Would you help us to hear this in a new way? Would you help us to live this out for ultimately our heavenly father's glory? God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the opportunity to hear from you. We're listening and pray this in your name. Amen. So right out of college, uh, I, I accepted a job and I, I had this two-year internship. And uh, I went there to learn how to do ministry, to like learn how to do ministry. About a year in, uh, the high school pastor that was a part of our team there had left to go to another job in his home state of Texas. And it, it was around this time of the year. And so he had left uh, right before we hit summer. And at summer, one of the first things we do with our high school ministry was we took this beach trip where we took like 150 plus high school kids down to Pensacola Beach uh, for a week. And it was like a fifty, sixty thousand dollars budget, three bus, charter buses, a hotel, a church, multiple restaurants to, to coordinate. And uh, when he left, I thought, wow, we're in a whole lot of trouble. I wonder, you know, good luck to whoever's going to have to take that up about a month beforehand. Yeah. Guess who came into my office right after he left, right? My boss who said, hey, could you do us a huge favor? Could you run the beach trip this summer? And I was like, no, <laughs> like, all I do is set chairs up and take them down, right? Like I came here to learn how to do these things, not to do them, right? And uh, I quickly became the leader of the beach trip. And so he left my office. We were gonna meet later that day uh, to talk about it and walk through everything. And I just started like thinking about how are, we gonna, how are we gonna have control over like 150 high school kids at the beach at a hotel? And so by the time my boss came back to meet with me and talk about it, I had a list of 21 rules. 21, that's where I was at. I was just getting started, okay? 21 rules. And my boss looked at me and started laughing. He said, hey, listen, we always have and we always will have four rules for the beach trip. And I thought, this is going to be a dumpster fire, right? Like four rules? You try a hundred, we got to have at least a rule or kid. Okay, 150 maybe? Like four? And, and, and here's the thing. It was like, Todd did something I didn't understand then. I do now. I didn't understand then. Todd, you see, I wanted to control our students with rules. Like I was going to, I was going to put into rules. And I was going to control through authority our students and get the result we wanted. Todd wanted to create boundaries for our students to be able to enjoy the beach trip and for them to honor them through relationship. I didn't get it. 
I didn't get it. And the same is true sometimes when we look at the Ten Commandments. You see, when I look at the Ten Commandments, it's God setting boundaries for us. But I'll be honest, even when I read it from my NLT, I still go back to the King James Version, which I never read, by the way. But I go back to thou shall not. Sounds like rules to me, you know? <laughs> You're not gonna tell me what to do, right? Like, you can ask my wife, you set a rule, I'm gonna push it, probably break it, right? That's just my nature. I don't like rules. I just don't. And so thou shall not, doesn't sound to me like a boundary. It sounds like a thou shall not, right? And here's the tension. Here's where it comes for you and I. C.S. Lewis put it this way. We don't want a father in heaven. We want a grandfather in heaven. Now you know what I'm saying? Albert Tate puts it this way. We don't want a daddy in heaven. We want a granddaddy in heaven because granddaddy's jobs are to spoil the kids and give them whatever they want, right? As long as the kids are happy, the granddaddy has done his job. You know this as a parent, you've sent your kids off to granddaddy and they've come back absolute terrors. Okay, kids, we have boundaries in this household and we're gonna have to reiterate them. Like my father-in-law has embodied this to a T, okay? All seven Grandchildren, he has given their first lick of a lollipop. This is my son's first lick of a lollipop. That is way too young. Okay. When that hit his lips, Taylor's arms and legs just started doing that. You know, like the sugar hit him and it was like, he didn't know what to do with it. Now, even today, we'll get ready to eat dinner. And he's, my, my father-in-law's handing out Twizzlers. We're about to eat dinner. These kids don't need six Twizzlers before dinner, right? But, Granddaddy doesn't care about the parents' rules. Are the kids happy? If the kids are happy, then I'm happy, right? And that's what we think. God, we want you to make us happy. That's not what God is. God's not a granddaddy. God is your heavenly father. And so as a heavenly father, what's he do? He puts some boundaries around you and I so that we can still enjoy ourselves, but we don't harm ourselves so that we can still live up to what we were called to live in, but not to enslave ourselves again to things that we shouldn't have. And so when we look at the 10 commandments, what I want you to understand is this up top. I just want you to understand this now. The 10 commandments are about God's character, not God's control of you. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at God's unique power through the plagues and how he split the Red Sea. Then uh, Fred walked us through his God's uh, providential care, how he took care of us in the wilderness. And he gives water and food to eat from seemingly nowhere. Right? And then we looked at his nature and how he was set apart. And then he shared that nature with us and he set us apart for a purpose. And this week is about his character. God shows us through the Ten Commandments, his character, both of who he is, but he, who he wants us to be. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. We'll start with verse one. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. I'm gonna pause for a second. Here's what we need to understand is that one, God's right up the top reminding them, hey, don't forget, okay? Now you remember Moses, burning bush, I promise you, I'm gonna deliver the people out of Egypt and you're gonna worship me right here at the foot of this mountain. And then all that stuff happens and they're there. That's where they're at right now, 
He's, he's reminding them, Michael, listen, I just did this for you. Don't forget that. But then also what we need to understand is this is God speaking audibly. Okay, sometimes, uh, at least in my mind, I think the Ten Commandments only came through the tablet. But actually the first time the Ten Commandments are given to the people, um, remember there's this boundary around the mountain. Don't cross the boundary. Don't let your cow cross the boundary because if so, they're going to die, right? Uh, you can't be that close to God. But then the cloud descends on the mountain and then the whole nation of Israel is there and God is speaking through a cloud that is thundering and lightning and his voice is booming from it. They're hearing this audibly. In fact, a little bit after this, if you can read on in chapter 20, the people of God, after he gets on speaking to them, they're like, let's not do that again. Right? They're like, Moses, you just go talk to him. We don't, that's okay. Right? Like, because it's so overwhelmingly powerful because that is who our God is. But he needed to do this. And he needed to do this because he needed to set himself apart yet again, that he is the God not these small gods that they've been, they've been serving falsely in Egypt. He is the God. And so he's speaking directly to them. And then he gives them the 10 commandments. Verse three, you must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in heaven or on earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who does not tolerate your affection for other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. So here he is. He introduced the first two boundaries, okay? You can't have any other God but me. That would have been difficult, here they have come from Egypt where they've been subjected to slavery for 400 years. We've talked about this. They had a God for everything. They had a God for a season. They had a God uh, for situations. They had God for your emotions at times. And the reason that they had so many gods is because they didn't want to miss out on any blessings. They didn't really know if it was a true God or not, but they were going to go ahead and worship it because if I don't worship it, then I'm going to miss out on something possibly. And so they're just worshiping God's left and right. And now God's saying, no, 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 no. You can't have any other God but me. I'm the only God that you are allowed to serve. This would have been so different for the, for the nation of Israel. Because at that time, it was all about idolatry, worshiping any other God that you could worship, adding any God to your worship list. This is where God's saying, no, it's, it's one, it's me. In me, you will find everything is what he's telling the nation of Israel. And then he says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or earth or the sea below. Now we all know, and I'm gonna give you a little preview to next week. Right? We all know that's what they do, right? Eventually we make the golden calf. That doesn't work out for us real well, Right? But, but he's saying, you can't do this. And here's why you can't make an idol because I'm not gonna stand for you to worship uh, God, other gods or to make idols of anything. Why? For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for other gods. I'm a jealous God. I don't know about you, but like, I don't see jealousy as like a, a good quality. And yet God is saying right here, like that this is a good quality. I mean, when was the last time you introduced yourself? Hey, I'm Lance Stockton. I'm a jealous guy. You're what? I'm a jealous guy. 
Nice to meet you. You know, like, we don't do that. I, I, now, I, I'm pretty sure if we're really honest, all of us in here have experienced jealousy, but we don't introduce ourselves like that because we don't see it in the same light. Now we have to understand there's a difference between our jealousy and God's jealousy. Our jealousy is rooted in our insecurity. It's what I want from you. I'm jealous that you have something I don't have. And so I have this jealousy because I want it from you. God's jealousy is rooted in his love and it's about something he wants for you. He's jealous because he doesn't want you to serve these little gods because they're not gonna do what he knows he can do for you. And so his jealousy might even be better described in the English language as zealous, right? He has this overwhelming passion for something, for someone or something. He has this overwhelming passion to give us these boundaries so that we can experience not happiness, but joy in a relationship with him. That's why he's setting these boundaries up. By the way, I kind of skipped over this, sorry. By the way, the first four commandments have to do with us and God. The second six have to do with us and each other. So we're going to cover the first four pretty hardcore, okay? Now listen, there's no way to sugarcoat this, all right? He says this, I lay the sins of the parents upon the children. The entire family is affected, even children of third and fourth generations of those who reject me. So if you choose to reject God as the one true God, he says, I'm going to take your sins and I'm going to lay them down onto the generations below you, the third and fourth generation. Now I know what you're probably thinking. Well, that's real mean. Well, no, you don't understand. He's the only God. He's trying to make sure they understand. I'm serious about this. He's given us every reason not to reject him. And then we continue to reject him. He's going to let us sit in the sin that we have. We read that in the New Testament. But get this, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. After first service, I was standing out there talking to a lady that attends here. And through tears, she let me know that her son isn't walking with Jesus. I got a chance to pray for her. She asked me, well, what do I do to change that? I said, there's nothing you yourself can do. It's up to the Holy Spirit. But you can do two things. You can pray for your children and you can show them. You can pray for them and you can show them what it looks like to follow God. I said, as long as you keep doing those things, you have to trust God with your child. How many of us, I want my kids to know Jesus. I want their kids to know Jesus. I want their kids to know Jesus and their kids. And God says right here, if we will love him and obey his commands, he will lavish unfailing love for thousand generations. So why his punishment might seem extreme third and fourth generation, his reward to us is thousands of generations. I just want you to take note of that this morning. You can do with that as you will. Uh, next boundary, verse seven. You must not misuse the name of the Lord, your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished for if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week to do your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord, your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. 
This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Okay, boundary number three. Can't use my name in vain. Now here's the deal. We always think that just means using God's name in profanity, right? When you stub your toe in the middle of the night, you can't say those words, right? But it's so much more than that. Because see, I don't have time to get into this right now because it's another sermon for another day. But it is about us representing his name. Look back to the last week. Go listen to it again, right? You are holy and you are set apart for a reason. Kadosh, you are set apart for a reason. It's not about just not using his name. If I just didn't use his name in vain and then just went about my life and was a really good guy, that wouldn't cut it. That's not what this is. You're supposed to look different. So when you go to lunch at Chewy's and you sit down at the table, you should look different in the way you handle yourself and your waiter as a person who doesn't know Jesus who's sitting at the table next to you. It should look different. Our lives should be different. And one of the ways it should be different is because if we live inside these boundaries, we experience not happiness, but we experience joy. We experience what God created us for. That's what he's trying to get Israel to understand. You've been created so much more. So much more than what? Well, verse 80 says, remember to observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Here's what we need to know. For 400 years, what have the Israelites based their worth off of? How many bricks you can make, right? They're enslaved to Pharaoh. Pharaoh had them doing what? Building, building what? His kingdom, so every day they would wake up and as the sun was up until the sun went down, what would they do? They'd be making bricks. If you made two less bricks than you did yesterday, you'd be whipped for it. If you made 200 less bricks than you did yesterday, you could be killed for it. If you made 15 more bricks today than you did yesterday, then you obviously took yesterday off and you weren't working hard enough. So now tomorrow you got to make 30 more. It was all about the number of bricks. Did they have a day off? No, they worked seven days a week for 400 years. So God knows it's going to be difficult for this, for him to be the only God, but it's going to be even more difficult for them to rest. How in the world are these people going to rest? I mean, listen, I, I really wish, this is the weird things I think about before I go to bed at night, right? I really wish I could have saw the first Sabbath day. You know, like wake up, and they're like, what are we supposed to do today? You know, like, we can't make bricks. We're here at the base of the mountain. What am I supposed to do? Right? Like, the sun just came up. This is going to be a long day. Right? The anxiety that must have been there. But then I think about you and I. What are you like on your day off? Your Sabbath. Got a lot of stuff. To, maybe I should. I need to get this done at the house. I could get this project done. And my wife's been wanting me to do this for a long time. Like I, well, I didn't really get everything I needed to get done last week. Listen, you have six days each week for ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. When was the last time you took a real Sabbath? When was the last time you didn't work on the seventh day? Oh, you're too busy. You have too much to do. 
Did you, did you make the heavens and the earth last week? I mean, God found time to rest. Just saying, right? Oh, but honey, I got to get the computer out after the kids go to bed. Six days, you have plenty of time to work. One day, God says, I want you to rest. Rest in what? Rest in who I am and who I made you to be. Does that mean you can't like get up off the couch? No, 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 right? Rest. Don't do anything that's going to exhaust you. That's considered work in your world. Do something that's going to rejuvenate you, fill you up. And you're like, you don't understand. I've got kids. So do I. Right? My, my Sabbath day is Friday. You know how hard it is for me to rest? Because Friday comes around and I'm like, well, I could get these two things done and be ahead for next week. Friday came this past week and I'm like, this sermon sucks. I could spend another six hours studying right now. That's what my temptation this past Friday was. And then I'm like, here's Lance teaching on the Sabbath and he's going to work on the Sabbath to make sure the, the word's ready. Thanks for that one, Holy Spirit. So I rested Friday and I freaked out Saturday, okay? He wanted them to rest because listen, these are the boundaries. No other God, don't take my name in vain, right? Don't make any idols and rest. If you can do these things, he's creating these boundaries so that what? So that you can fulfill joy in your life. Jesus put it this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So that second part is, is the second half. He goes on. God says in verse 12, honor your father and mother, then you will live long, full life in the land the Lord God has given you. Kids, I have put that above my children's door, doorways into the bedrooms. It comes along with a promise. You'll live a long life. I'm not going to kill you if you honor me. Okay? <laughs> Take heed. All right? You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife or male and female servants or ox or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. You see, he goes on to say, hey, these, here's these six, and this is how you interact with each other. This is how you approach one another. And it's important because this, <laughs> who can tell us do not steal? Someone who isn't tempted to steal, to defraud, or, or to, to go behind somebody else's back. They're the only person, somebody who's not able to do that can tell us to not steal. Who does he need to tell to not steal? Those who like to defraud go behind people's back and do that. You see, God was setting himself apart even in these commandments. I am not tempted to do any of these things, but you definitely are. And if you really want to experience joy in this relationship that I have with you, then you, you have to remain steadfast and not do these things. I could spend a lot more time on each one of those, right? We could talk about the New Testament where Jesus even adds a little extra to some of those. But man, I was hit this past week. I was reminded this past week of something that I've heard so many times. I heard it a few years ago and it's haunted me ever since. We as American Christians, we are great worshipers. We just worship the wrong thing. 
We're really good at worship. Now I'm not talking like in here, like raising your hands and getting all crazy worship. No, no, like we're great at worshiping things in our life. Cold season's coming around. (laughs) Hopefully we're gonna be great. But I worship football season. Like I tell my small group we meet on Sundays, hey, we either gotta meet at a restaurant where there's a TV or you gotta be having your TV on when we're meeting for small group. The Colts are playing, right? We're great worshipers. We worship our kids' athletics. You don't believe me on that one? Take a long drive home and go by Finch Creek out there. You know what? It's not even worth talking about travel baseball because people who need to hear that aren't here. They're at travel baseball. <laughs> don't get me started, all right? We worship our bank accounts. How many times did you check that thing a week? How often are you thinking about it? How much, how much do you got saved in there, just in case? It's good things. They ain't the greatest thing. We worship our closets. Not like in our closets, that'd be weird, okay? Like we worship our closet, like what we put on, how we look, the way we appear. We worship, we are great worshipers. We just worship the wrong things. God said, there's not to be any other gods but me. No idols. He's saying these things because it's better for you this way. You see, the Ten Commandments, they're about his character and him sharing his character and revealing it to us. He is a jealous God, zealous God who wants this relationship with you within these boundaries. And within these boundaries, you have freedom. Don't sit here and think that, oh, well, there's really tight boundaries. They're not. (laughs) Actually, they're extremely freeing boundaries when you put them into practice. So back to the beach trip. We have the beach trip. We have four rules. It's going to be a dumpster fire. It's going to be awesome. At least we're at the beach, right? So I send my message out every week and I let a team read it and comment on it and give feedback. And, and somebody sent back, I was like, you're going to tell us the four rules, right? Because I didn't actually have that in my notes. And I was thinking about not telling you the four rules, but there's some of you that's like, it will kill me if you don't tell me the four rules. So here are the four rules, okay? Rule number one, no guys in girls' hotel rooms and no girls in guys' hotel rooms. That one's pretty self-explanatory, right? High school kids. <laughs> number two, you're not allowed to leave the property of our hotel without a leader. And if you are a senior, then you're allowed to leave without a leader, but you have to be at least with two other seniors. I can still remember these. This is like 10 years ago. Number three, you have to attend all meetings that we have during the beach trip. It's not an option to skip those. Number four, absolutely for no reason, not to call 911, not in case of emergency. No reason should you ever step foot in the liquor store that's in the parking lot of the hotel. Are you kidding me? It was the cheapest hotel by a landslide. It just happened to have a liquor store in the parking lot. There's a payphone elsewhere to call 911. Okay, kids? Like, you're not allowed to step in there. But what was amazing was we have four rules. And out of relationship with my boss, Todd, these kids obeyed every one of them 
150 plus kids all week. Because you see, it wasn't out of insecurity and authority that he needed to give those. It was out of love and what he wanted for them. He wanted them to have joy, to experience the beach together. The same is true when it comes to our God. He doesn't give you 10 commandments because he's trying to assert his authority over you and keep you pressed down with rules. He's creating a boundary for you to experience his love and his relationship and then to experience joy. Because joy comes when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbors ourselves. And why that is, is because you and I were created for it. Now, here's the kicker. There's no shot you're going to live up to the Ten Commandments this week. It's okay. Neither am I. God knew that. Because that blessing for generations and generations upon generations, it was going to need someone to come and save us from that. Someone to take our place. Someone to stand in the gap, the fact that we couldn't fulfill it. When we look into the law, we see how short we fall. What's it turn our gaze to? Jesus. Because Jesus did come. He did fulfill the law. He did die in your place. And he opens up a way for you and I to have a relationship with the God who gave us the law, the God who created us, the God who is jealous for us, and the God who wants a relationship with us. And this morning, what we're gonna do is we're gonna stand, we're gonna sing this song about how God is faithful, how Jesus delivers on his promises. Because he did back then, he did when Jesus walked the earth and he's going to today. So this week, let's, let's be great worshipers of the one true God, the one who's given you and I life and life eternal. Go ahead and stand with me. I'm gonna pray for you and then we'll sing. God, we thank you so much this morning. I pray your blessing upon this congregation, these people in this room, and I ask Holy Spirit that you would go with them, that every day as they wake up, they have a decision to make, whether they're gonna be great worshipers today of you, the one true God, or whether we're gonna worship false gods. God, when next Friday comes and my Sabbath hits, uh, I pray that your Holy Spirit would impact my heart to just rest, to not think that somehow in some way I'm busier than you were, God. But I can't take that time to relax and rest. Father, would you help our lives look different than those outside these walls? And Jesus, we thank you this morning for fulfilling the law perfectly, dying in our place and allowing us to have life and life to the full through you. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray these things in your son's precious name. In the name of Jesus, amen.